Welcome to Something Positive for Positive People. I'm Courtney Brain. Something Positive for Positive People is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that is connecting people who are navigating SCI stigma to mental health resources. Today's guest is Athena. What's good? How you feeling? Hey, hey, I'm feeling pretty good. Good. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk to everybody today. So. Oh, you said it like this is a show. Like, <laughs> like we got a live audience that's sitting hey, here I just watching. I to sound good for your podcast. <laughs> so now you're going to have to edit all that out. Uh, oh, I don't But edit. I am excited to be here. I am excited to talk to you and everything. So. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I don't edit these anymore unless there's absolutely something you need me to cut out. I have everyone's gonna hear all of that. Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh, start over. No, <laughs> well that's what makes it real too. I think a lot of people are yeah. drawn to this space because of the realness that occurs on it. Like the conversations, the yeah. uh, mistakes, the lessons, everything that is covered and talked about. Like I used to edit um, because I would interview some people who are super nervous and they'd say like and um and so a lot. Yeah. I had one episode where I had to do that for myself and I said, I need to get better at speaking and be better at interviewing. So I do this thing now where I try to build solid rapport with people before I interview them and mm-hmm. make them feel like we're just having a conversation right. and a general conversation with someone that you have rapport with. There may not be so much hesitance. There may not be so much uh, overthinking and things like that that go along with knowing that somebody else is going to hear what it is that we're talking about. Yeah. So, we met in the Louisville Mid-East Heaps event. Did you have a good time? Yes, I had so much fun. It was my first event. Uh, I didn't know what to expect. Yeah. I was a little nervous going into it, of course. Uh, but I had so much fun. I met so many great people, had some good conversation, was able to... Uh, just kind of let loose and feel like myself, you know, because with all of this uh, diagnosis and this new world that I found myself in, that was probably the first time since my diagnosis that I have felt the most like myself. Like I was amongst people that have been through the same things that I'm, I'm going through. And, uh, but that wasn't the topic. That wasn't what it was about. It was just about people getting together and so it was it was really refreshing and uh much much appreciated <laughs> to yeah. have that moment you know to take a break from the stress and the anxiety that is built around you know this virus mm-hmm. and the life change that occurs when you are diagnosed and um so yeah it was a blast yeah. i can't wait for the halloween event i'm definitely going to that <laughs> oh good yeah cool i'll be there as well um how did you find the group? Um, I mean, everybody was just really normal. You know what I mean? It, like I said, I didn't know what to expect. Oh, no, no, people. wait. I mean, like, how did you find out about it? Like, not... Oh, how did... Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, well, it's actually a really cool story. So, um, I was diagnosed... And don't say names. No, I won't All say right. names. <laughs> I was diagnosed uh, a year ago... This month, actually. Happy Herpiversary. Thank you. And so at the time, I was in a committed relationship. And, you know, it was kind of just like, well, at least we're together. You know, I don't have to navigate through the world by myself. Um, Long story short, 
it didn't end up that way. You know, things changed between us and we went our separate ways. And so at that point, it was kind of like uh, hearing the news all over again. You know what I mean? It was just the shock of like, oh my God, I'm in this, this situation. And like, how do I navigate? How do I move on past this? And um, so it was really difficult for me mentally to deal with all of that on my own. And I just kind of hit a wall and felt like, okay, enough is enough. I can't go on feeling like this. I've got to figure out something. So I just got on Google and I started looking up, you know, like uh, support groups and that sort of thing. So I found one that was in my area. It's about a, an hour drive for me. And I went to that and I met a girl there who I am now very good friends with. Absolutely adore her. And uh, it was the one and only uh, face-to-face support group that the two of us have been to. And she was the one who really convinced me to get back onto Facebook for the the support groups and that sort of thing. Because I hadn't been on Facebook in years, (laughs) like not big on social media and that sort of thing. So she convinced me to do that. And I ended up in all these groups. And that's how I came across the Mideast Heaps. Okay. And what took you so long to finally make it to an event? If this was your first one. Yeah, well, I've only been. So when did it? I asked that like we haven't. Just... It hasn't It hasn't been very long since I've been part of the group. You know what I mean? It's only been I, a couple months. I didn't even think about that. And the fact that it's it's an entire pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> right, like right. I just completely well, neglected it. It's all that. happened pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. You know, and I've, I've had some conversations with people, you know, in our community who it, they've taken a lot longer than me to even google the word you Mm. know what i mean and uh, so i feel like i i and i kind of pat myself on the back for it to be honest with you because it it kind of um it it leaves me kind of sad for other people to know that they they don't go seeking help or support for a long long time and i'm just happy that i I had the the courage to go ahead and jump right in it you know yeah Uh, i've just found all these great people and it, it really is like you're, you're inducted into the secret society, yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's actually really cool mm-hmm. <laughs> in a way. When uh, you mentioned you were diagnosed and you were already in a relationship and it was just kind of like, all right, well, here we are. What right. was that relationship like? Were there any curiosities around who gave it to who? Was there any head butting at all around that? Um. My, my ex is, uh, and this is, this is a subject for a whole different podcast. That's uh, what everybody but, said. And then it, said, it ended up being like a five minute story. <laughs> well, it, he is, I would have to say a, an overt narcissist. And so that was a really difficult relationship. I have a tendency to unconsciously welcome people like that into my life. My mother is a narcissist textbook. My older, oldest brother is a narcissist. And so I just had this way of all of a sudden, boom, you know, I'm in this situation, this relationship with a person that's like that. And so that was my, my ex. And, um, with narcissists, if you have any experience with them or know anything about them, there's, they're always the victim. There's always finger blame, you know, pointing the finger, blaming it on somebody else. And, um, so of course his ex gave it to him. He had no idea this, that, and the third, um, but you had an idea when you decided to move forward with me, you know, he didn't disclose like, like I got it. Like most people do, you know, he was aware he didn't disclose to me. I ended up in this situation and, and I didn't bite his head off when it happened. Like we had had some history together up until this point anyway. 
um, when we came across this and, uh, you know, I, I wanted to pursue a relationship and a future with him. And, and he said that that's what he wanted with me too. So I wasn't, um, I was hurt cause I felt betrayed, you know what I mean? But it, it also wasn't the end of the world. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't a healthy relationship. There were a lot of things that took place that shouldn't have. Um, but at the same time, it is what it is. It's in the past and we're at where we're at now. And I can honestly say, um, you know, cause I did have trouble in the beginning with the diagnosis, with our breakup, with everything that happened throughout all of that, uh, was really tough, but I can say right now, I, I feel so much differently about the virus in general. You know what I mean? Like I had to go through some pretty tough stuff, some painful moments. Um, but it brought me to a place where I value myself so much more and I value the relationships that I make with other people so much more. And, uh, it, it just has really changed my perspective on life in general. And so I, I can say that I'm, I'm pretty thankful for it. <laughs> and I know some people are going to hear that and think, oh, this girl's crazy. <laughs> uh, but honestly, I, I am very thankful for it. I've met some amazing people. I've already built some great friendship uh, friendships and I've, you know, met a very special man and I'm very excited about where that's leading. And I couldn't be happier right now. Yeah. You know, so there are good things about it. You know, it does cause you to change how you view things and how you maneuver and, and navigate through life. And um, I honestly, I feel like life is about perspective and how you look at it. There's good and there's bad to everything. So, you know, when you find yourself in, in a place where you're really feeling the pain and it's really dark and it's really sad, it's like you just got to find that power within you to kind of look at things a little differently and find the positive in it. And it's really hard when you're in that. But if you can, I promise, man, you come out on the other side so much happier, so much lighter. Yeah. <laughs> and that's where I feel right now. That's where I'm at. Yeah. The way you say that, it's like you've been in a dark place. Uh, oh, have sure. you been? For sure. Can you speak to that a little bit? Like where you started so that people kind of have an idea of like why you are where you are now? Well, I mean, there's a, a lot to be said. Um, I have, I don't want to use the word struggle with. I have been managing uh, depression, PS, uh, PTSD, and uh, severe anxiety for most of my life. And, um, I have gone through some things at a, at a young age that, you know, people wouldn't want to ever go through. You know, I was, the first time I was uh, sexually assaulted, I was five years old. Uh, 12 years ago, I dated, a, a, I was in a very toxic relationship with another narcissist. And um, I was drugged and raped, and that was violent and traumatic and terrible. And um, so there's just been a lot of things here and there, you know, life has happened to me like it happens to a lot of people. Um, I don't want to go too in depth about it, I guess, just because it's a lot to talk about. Um, but I have suffered um, with the depression and, and whatnot um, throughout my life up until this point. And it's something that I'm going to manage for the rest of my life. There's going to be moments moving forward where you know, I feel like the world is caving in around me. It's, it's not something that you just get over one day. Um, but 
I know that I'm self-aware, you know, and I, I have the, I think that I have, I know I have the strength to, you know, keep moving and get past it. And like I said, you just got to find the, the good things in, in life and try and focus on that and not so much the negativity. I've had ample opportunity to just drown in it, but that's miserable. It's not a way to live life. And I have so many great things to be thankful for. You know, my family, my friends, my you know, my, my sweet cat who's in here bothering me right now. I thought that's what I heard, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, you just can't get stuck in all of it, you know. How do you avoid, how did you avoid being stuck? What were some of the most useful healing resources for you navigating the sexual trauma that you've experienced? Uh, well, for me, I'm um very much a lover of nature and being outside and for me I always feel better when I like if I'm really feeling it real heavy and I don't want to get out of bed and I don't want to go to work and I don't feel like eating there's I don't want to laugh at that thing that normally would have me cracking up like I'm just in it the best thing for me to do is to go outside if I can go swimming spend some time in the woods go camping anything that's involving nature silence the birds you know that sort of thing just no trucks no cars no fire trucks none of that noise none of the city noise and i can just kind of separate myself from from uh people and just the busyness of life and kind of get back to the basics and spend some time in nature it really helps to ground me and bring me back to myself i like that are you into yoga at all um I don't do yoga as much as I probably should. Yeah. <laughs> I've done it a few times and oh. it is more of a workout than you expect. <laughs> what about meditation? <laughs> What's that? What about meditation? Yeah, I do meditate. Um, it's not something that I do every day. There was a time where I was a little obsessed, obsessed with it. Um, now it's, I do it here and there. Um, but I tend to, because it's easier for me, because like meditation, people think it's just easy. You just sit into, in, in a spot still and, and that's it. Like, no, right? It's not at all like that. It's actually pretty difficult to clear your mind. <laughs> so for me, the, the easiest way to go about meditating is right before I go to bed. Like I spend some time just... Wait, wait, wait. Now, is that meditating or is that falling asleep? Well, I have trouble sleeping. Okay. It, I'll lay in bed for a good couple hours before I fall asleep. Like, I've always had trouble sleeping. It's, it's a, an issue for me. Um, but no, like, I, I will lay down hours before I know I'm going to be ready for bed, you know, and just kind of lay there and be still and just listen to the, the silence and try and focus, you know, on nothing really is my favorite thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's... I'm not like a hardcore meditator, okay. <laughs> I, I guess, just, but it does help. When you need it, it does help. Okay. I was curious just in your response to what's been supported to you. You mentioned just being out in nature, use buzzwords kind of like grounding um, yeah. and just disconnecting from everyday life essentially mm -hmm. was something that supported you in reconnecting to yourself, reconnecting to your body. Is that an accurate statement? Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, it just... It's easier for me than meditating to be out in nature. It just does something for me. You know, it's like, it's like the shortcut to meditation for me. Just because like I, I do a little bit, a little bit of hunting here and there. And um, 
I do. I do some uh, whitetail deer hunting. Um, so I'll go out into the woods before the sun comes up and climb 20 feet into a tree stand and sit there all day long. And you have to be very quiet and you have to be very still because deer have like incredibly um, great eyesight and hearing. And um, so I find myself very still in the woods and that always makes me feel better. I just come out of it feeling like, I don't know, like a weight's lifted, you know? Yeah. Okay. Uh, how has your relationship to yourself changed since your diagnosis? Like what was your dating and relationship style like pre-diagnosis? And then I know you said that you were in a relationship when you got diagnosed and that you're in a new relationship now. So between yeah. ending your relationship previously and beginning the one that you're in, let's compare that to how you dated prior to the relationship where you received your diagnosis. How have you changed? Um, well, I haven't, um, I don't even want to say that I've really dated a whole lot. Like I've, I've been married and divorced years and years ago. Um, and after I separated from my husband, um, there was never, besides the toxic ex who raped me, that was really the only serious relationship I found myself in after my ex-husband. Um, and aside from that, it, it was really just, you know, I go on a date here or there. I might talk to a guy for a little while here and there. But I have had um, trouble with, um, you know, trusting people, obviously. <laughs> and uh, so dating has been difficult, and it's not something that I have done seriously. Um, I have moments where, because like, it sounds great and yeah, I, you know, having a boyfriend and having someone you can spend your time with and do things with, like, it all sounds great. Um, but I would get to a certain point and then like shy away from it. Like I would get really nervous about it or it would become too much, too stressful, you know? And so I would just kind of flip the switch and, and, distance myself, you know, and all of a sudden it wasn't what I wanted. And I told myself, oh, it's just because, you know, I haven't found the right person for me, you know, da, 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 um, And then I reconnected with my ex who I had my diagnosis, you know, who I contracted the virus from. Um, and he and I knew each other years before we reconnected and started dating. And um, it was just very much an infatuation. Um, I don't like to say that I was clingy, but it, it kind of got to that place where the both of us were just like all day, every day, kind of had to have some sort of communication, had to see each other, had to. And I found myself feeling like I wasn't being me. Like I kind of put my needs aside because I needed to make it work with him. You know what I mean? So I found myself forcing myself to get up and go over there and be with him when he wanted me to be with him. Um, forcing myself to go extra mile and put my needs aside. Like what I was saying before about me being in nature and having to ground myself. I get um, overwhelmed sometimes with a lot of interaction with people. And I have moments where I almost experience like a burnout, I guess you could say. And I'm emotionally and physically exhausted and I have to spend some time alone to kind of get my head right and I wouldn't allow myself to have those moments when I was with him 
And I think it was because of the diagnosis and this like desperation of wanting to make it work because I don't want to go out into the world and have to do this by myself, you know? And, um, so that was the dynamic with he and I, and it just wasn't healthy. It didn't feel good. Um, so that comparing it to, to now, I just feel a lot more in my own, a lot more, um, independent in how I feel and I don't know how to say this. Like, I don't know. I just feel more me. Like things are a lot more comfortable, you know what I mean? And I don't feel pressure at all. Like I can just be myself. If I need a moment, I can take a moment. Um, you know, if I want to text my, my, uh, my, my man, I don't know what to really call him right now. It's very new. (laughs) Um, I can text him. I can call him. It's no big deal. Like, so we have very good communication, but there isn't like a need to always have something going on either. Like he can take his time. I can take my time. We can have our own space, whatever. Um, so it just feels a lot more healthy and comfortable and, um, and relaxed. I don't know if if that really answered your question or not, but there isn't a need to always have something going on. Can you, can you elaborate on that statement for me? Um, I just mean that like there, there isn't a need to constantly check in and constantly know what the other person is doing or where they're at and what's going on with them. Like, it's just a lot more relaxed where I can just be in my own space and have my own thoughts and not have to think about another person. And that's okay. You know, cause there's, sorry, go ahead and say, no, I was going to say, I feel that the way that you phrased it and elaborated on it. Um, it sounds like what a healthy relationship is, which you're in now, both people, everyone involved is free to be like, even yeah. just, you don't have to be what he wants you to be. He doesn't have to be what you want him to be. You just are. And you support one another in that. That right. sounds like a very beautiful relationship. It is. And it's really nice because um, because I can, as you say, just be. And so can he. But it's just really nice that me being me and him being him happens to go great together. <laughs> it just works. So I'm really excited about it. I, like I said earlier, I couldn't be happier right now with, with a lot of aspects of my life. So. I'm just in a much better place than I have been. I feel really happy. I feel really healthy mentally and physically. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. What, the tables have turned, okay. you know, like what a difference between now and eight months ago, you know, big change. So was there a transition or a specific event that occurred between eight months ago and now between you having a history of relationships with narcissists and now having this newfound relationship that's so healthy? Um, well, this, the last couple years, I have really um, made a point to learn more about narcissism. And uh, like my mother and I haven't really spoken in uh, over a year now. Um, she and I just kind of got to a place and it was like, I love my mother and I know she loves me the best way that she can. Um, but the way that she goes about things is not conducive to me living a healthy lifestyle, at least not right now. So 
it was really difficult for me to make that decision to cut her out of my life because it's my mother, you know? Um, but in me doing that, that was a big game changer for me moving in the right direction. And after this relationship with my gifter, <laughs> um, since then I have started, um, therapy too, again, which I tried it once before a couple times actually before, and it just never really worked out for me. And I feel like, uh, you know, a lot of people will try it and they're like, Oh, I feel worse leaving than I did going into it. And sometimes that is the case, but I think it's really important to find the right therapist for you because they're people just like we are, you know, and you have to be compatible in some fashion. And so I have been blessed enough uh, here in the last few months to come across, um, and it's phone therapy that I do, which is really nice. There's no face-to-face. -face. I don't have to worry about you seeing the tears coming out of my eyes or anything like that. Um, but she's been great. Like, I was just really lucky to come across her. She, she and I really click, and um, we relate to each other. She's been through some things that I've been through, um, which helps her really understand where I'm coming from. But that, I would say, has been a big, big game changer for me in the last few months. I talk to her once a week, every week. And, you know, whether there's good things going on or bad things going on, whether we talk for an hour, whether it's 25 minutes, I talk to her every week and it has helped me a lot because it, it like keeps me focused on the game plan and keeps me in the path that I need to be in to, to move forward so that I'm happy and I'm healthy. And, uh, I would say to anybody who's, who's struggling mentally to seek some help and, and do therapy, whether you're comfortable with it or the idea or not, just jump in and try it. You'll never know unless you try it. And I'm really glad that I picked it back up because it's been, like I said, game changer for me. Because um, she holds me accountable. She challenges me. You know, like I said, she keeps me on the right path. And uh, so she's helped me a lot as far as the narcissism goes and recognizing certain things and people, uh, the red flags, you know, and um, being able to kind of maneuver around that. So I don't have to necessarily kick you out of my life because you're a narcissist. But I just have to learn you and figure out how I can coexist with you and have some sort of relationship without it diminishing who I am. Um, so she's been fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Um, it sounds like you're able to consciously navigate healthy relationships, even though another person may be unhealthy. Yeah, that's the goal for me personally, because... My, my mom's not going to change. Of course, I want to have a relationship with her, um, but I'm not in a place yet where I can pursue that um, so that I, I accomplish that goal, you know, and keeping it healthy for me. Mm. Uh, but it's, you know, work every day. So I'll get there eventually, and hopefully she and I will be good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in therapy, has your diagnosis come up? And are you comfortable with sharing how your therapist handled you sharing that information with them? Like, what were some tools from therapy that helped you? As far as my diagnosis, um, that's a really good question, actually, and I'm, I'm finding it hard to answer. Uh, so when she... Would you like me to share? To, would you what's like, that? 
would you like me to share my intention with the question? Like, does sure. that help? So yeah, maybe that will. What I find, there's a couple of things. So one is a lot of people that I interview or mm-hmm. that I've spoken to are deathly afraid of even disclosing to their therapist. And this is someone that is supposed to be a safe space. So when you yeah. told me that you did tell your therapist, I would say maybe three out of 10 people that I speak to will say that they've disclosed to their therapist. And so yeah. I'm just interested in getting your feedback here on what some things um, that you found, what are some things that you found useful after having disclosed to your therapist? Because people are deathly afraid of people finding out that they have herpes. And even for people to be afraid of their therapist, the person that you should be the least afraid of knowing because they're the most capable of supporting you um, in that moment. I want to encourage people to consider that if they have a therapist to go ahead and feel brave to open up and share this with them. I I agree. Um, I'm kind of a, I can, I can be kind of fearless sometimes. I, I didn't even really, you know, because she was my therapist, that's who I'm, that's who I'm supposed to tell <laughs> in my mind. I'm like, of course I'm, you know, these are the things that are weighing heavy on me and why I need therapy. So I'm not going to not share that. Um, so yeah, I, I told her and I don't know, she was just, she had a way of letting me talk about it without making me feel judged in any way. And, um, she just made it I don't know. It was her tone and her delivery and talking to me that I could tell that for her, it didn't change anything. She's not judging me. You know what I mean? It was just like, this is a thing that happened to you. It's a thing that happens to everybody. Well, not everybody, but a lot of people, you know, and it doesn't define who you are as a person. It doesn't mean that you're gross. It doesn't mean that you're irresponsible. It just happens to people and it's not something to be ashamed of. You know, I mean, it's look at the draw. I mean, there's people who are promiscuous, sure, and they get it. It happens. There are people who are in long committed relationships and it happens to them. And and for a lot of people, it's not even like sexual. You know what I mean? It's it's a skin condition. It's skin to skin contact. And um, a lot of people just get it from their family members, hugging and kissing them. You know, so it's... And she had mentioned how big the stigma is around it and agreed, of course, that it's, you know, it doesn't make any sense that people view it the way that they do, but they do because nobody wants to talk about it. Everyone is scared to tell their therapist, (laughs) you know, so I don't know. The biggest thing in me telling her that made me feel good was just her delivery and how she spoke to me. It was her tone and how she, um, listened and accepted what I was telling her Mm -hmm. that made me feel good it also sounds like she reminded you who you were before you told her this like what I hear in what you just explained to me was that um, it was just kind of a little bit of a reminder like hey you know Mm -hmm. nothing's changed right would you say oh that's what you would you say that that's what you got from that because I might be leading no, I mean, that she was, you're right. She was reminding me that, um, you know, I'm still the same person I was before this happened. And, um, that's true to an extent. Uh-oh. Um, you well, know, but that brings, me back, that brings me back to what I was saying before. Like 
I'm, I'm actually pretty thankful that I, that I have this virus now because before this, I didn't value myself the way that I do now. I didn't value people the way that I do now. It was very superficial, you know, and, um, now I just know that I have to dig deeper with people. I have to be more, um, selective in who I allow into my inner circle, into my space, um, and so, yeah, to an extent, I am the same person, but I'm not, but in a good way. Why do you feel like you have to let, um, you have to be more selective with who you let in your inner circle, like because of herpes? Is it just a matter of who knows? Is that what you mean? Um, well, kind of. I mean, I'm not at a point where I'm comfortable talking about it with just anyone. I would like to get to that point one day, which is why I was really excited about um, doing this podcast interview with you today. Um, I thought, and when we had our conversation about it initially, I thought, well, this will be a good step to help me get to that place, you know? Um, so that's that's something that I, I do want, but I'm not there yet. So for me, when I say it makes me be more selective, I, um, I just kind of observe people a little bit more than I did before. And I try to get a feel for uh, their personality more. Are they empathetic? Are they open-minded? Are they understanding? You know, before I go running my mouth about my business, <laughs> you know, and I don't want to um, waste my time either on trying to build certain relationships with people if they're not um, willing if they're not welcoming that, you know what I mean? Because like I said, I value myself, I value my time, I value my energy, my spirit, and I don't want to just give that to everybody. So, yeah. my cat on the door, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> just one second, let me let him out because he's going to start me out. Okay. <laughs> uh, I guess this is a good point to mention that if you haven't already, please like, rate, review, subscribe to, and share this podcast. You are more than welcome to leave a donation, as mentioned in the beginning. We're a 501c3 nonprofit organization that connects people who are navigating stigma to mental health resources. That looks like group therapy, individual therapy, and of course, maintaining nonprofit status. Um, that's what the donations go to, as well as continuing this podcast, interviewing people, bringing you great guests like Athena here to share their stories and give people the tools that they need in order to navigate HSV and SCI and honestly sexual trauma um, and the stigma that's associated with it all as it relates to mental health as well. I just kind of dropped a random commercial when you got up and walked away. I'm pretty proud of myself. I hear you. Yeah, (laughs) sorry about that. Uh, There is one more thing I want to say about uh, the the change that I've experienced going through this with HSV. Um, and it, and it is surrounding disclosing. I feel like we have this, I mean, we do, we have this responsibility now, whether you like it or not to disclose, you have to disclose, you have to, you just have to, it's uncomfortable, but like you have to do it. You got to rip the bandaid off and just do it. And I think because of that, um, in a way that this virus really um, forces you to be more open and honest in general. 
And that's done wonders for me and my personality. You know, I can be, um, I'm an open book usually, and I can just, you know, like I said, I'm a little fearless. I can just kind of throw it out there and, and see where conversations go. Um, you know, if, if the comfort level is right, I guess, but, um, I don't know. I just feel like it's made me a better person really because of that. I, I feel like I can, um, be who I am. If I can be open, I can be honest and then I'm doing my soul the right way. You know what I'm saying? If that makes sense. Yeah. Resistance from what your soul is calling out for you to do or calling you to be that's where a lot of suffering emerges and we get like these energetic kinks and they, these blockages that keep us from fully, from feeling as if life is flowing through us. Right. And so when you're able to give yourself what it needs, your identity, what it needs, your soul, what it needs, it seems like everything else takes care of itself. Right. And so, yeah, I, I feel that. I feel that it's important for us to, you know, be able to take care of ourselves and to take this, the responsibility that we have of disclosing. A lot of people feel like it's not fair. Of course, no, a lot of things aren't fair. This being yeah. one of those because a lot of us weren't disclosed to. But then right. again, a lot of people who weren't disclosed to were also not informed about how to disclose. They weren't informed about disclosing they weren't informed about navigating this space. And that's probably one of the more major factors in all of this that perpetuates this cycle of stigma, but from diagnosis to a disclosure choice, choosing to or not to um, upon contact with the sexual partner. Like these are two aspects that just keep the wheels turning. Others are just how we don't talk about sex as uh, educators informing youth about okay. sex ed a lot of it is fear driven it's okay. stigmatizing it's fear based don't get uh don't have sex until you're married if you do mm -hmm. use a condom and if you don't use a condom you're going to get an std and if right. you or you might even get somebody pregnant or be pregnant and like these are the four consequences and like i think about how many children how many teenagers how many even adults can be saved from situations like sexual assault by simply being taught the things that should be included with sex education that are completely omitted consent boundaries being able to say uh no being able to hear no being able to ask for what you need and being able to seek help and support if anything is not right or if you're curious about something. And I think one of the more important things is to be able to identify and know what to do about abuse and abusers. And with that, we teach people not to be abusers because if, if the whole class is acknowledging and recognizing what abuse is and you're defining abuse and little Tommy who sits in the back of the classroom is considered an abuser, I think that we flip the script on shame and we're now shaming people for negative behavior and not consequences of a behavior that is deemed a negative by collective opinion of society. So when that yeah. shame begins to shift into the right place where people are doing bad things, put the shame on those behaviors so that people can stop doing bad things and just be people. I cannot right. tell you how much of an emphasis 
that I place on youth being given sex education that includes all of those aspects of just relational and mental and emotional health that I just named, these are going to be individuals that grow into healthy adults who that conversation, the way that they manage relationships can go from their friendships, their family, their communities, their workplaces, and also sex. And you don't even have to talk about sex because if they're given the foundation of communication tools, then when it gets to the point of a sexual encounter, they're able to do all of those things, such as ask for what they need, say no, right. talk about Because that's consent. what it comes down to, right, is, is you having the communication skills to, um, you know, articulate how you're feeling and what you need and what you want and what you don't want. And, um, yeah, I mean, if, if you're in a place where you're confident in yourself, you're comfortable with yourself and, and you're okay to ask for what you want or say no to something, then, then yeah, there's so many of those situations that could be avoided. Absolutely. Well, you just closed us out real well. That was good timing. Unless there's <laughs> anything else that you want to add or leave us with, then, um, I can let you go. Um, the only thing I, I would say is to go back to the therapy. If you're finding um, yourself in a, in a place where you're struggling right now and uh, you don't want to talk to a friend, you don't want to talk to somebody who knows you, I mean, just reach out and find a therapist. I mean, it's so easy to just spill everything to this person who doesn't know you, you know, and, and people think it's really difficult. Um, and it might be that first session. Uh, but once you just push through that, I promise. I mean, it's just, you'll feel so much better just to, just to get the weight off of your shoulders. You know, it's, I highly, highly recommend. <laughs> yeah. Um, and if you're someone who is unable to afford therapy, something positive for positive people is paying for people to receive therapy. So, uh, reach out to us and get connected and, um, we'll talk through the process from there. That concludes this episode of Something Positive for Positive People. Please like, rate, review, subscribe to, share this podcast, and make your donations, please. Uh, by the time this podcast is up, we will already have Something Positive for Positive People yoga. Uh, I need to figure out where I'm going to upload those classes so that people can watch it later. Um, right now, I'd like for them to be live, and I'll post them somewhere, so if anyone wants to watch and then access them for a donation or something like that who knows we'll figure it out but that's something that's going on we'll be launching group therapy again so if you're interested in that holla at me so that we can get you enrolled for the next cohort um stay tuned if you are on social media please follow me on instagram twitter tumblr reddit at h on my chest and if you're on facebook i'm just courtney brain so you can add me there um, and get connected to the support groups. There's support groups, social groups, dating groups, all types of groups that are available for you to receive the kind of support for you Definitely. and where you are in your diagnosis. Yes. Till next time, stay sex positive.